Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, good morning. I am amazed that you're here. You look like you're ready to go, and I am already convinced about you here at Plano. You are serious, and you're ready to praise God, and I love that you're here and ready to to worship today, and you even look mostly awake, so it's like a lot of winds that are happening right now, and uh, you know, today we're going to end and wrap up our series cast, and before we do that, though, I just wanted to pause and just sort of recognize that this is a kind of a the moment that it is in the life of our church. And so if you're new or newer, just know that uh, you're kind of entering in what what I believe is is a historic moment in our church, and it's a significant moment in our church because next Sunday, we are launching a brand new campus, Rock Hill Campus, next Sunday on Easter Sunday. We're gonna combine both campuses. We're gonna have one service up there at 10.30, and we're gonna come back together as, a, as one family and launch the new church, or launch the baby, as we say, and we'll come together uh, next week. It's gonna be a special day. But here's the part I wanted to kind of recap real quickly, and just re-remember sort of what God has done as we're at this moment. And uh, you may remember earlier this year, I shared with us as a church that there was a staff meeting that we had last October. And it was an all-day staff meeting, and I I just kind of got our team together because we had known as a leadership team with our board, with our leadership uh, staff, that God had been calling us to, to start this second campus, but there were some big hurdles. And so what we did was we got together and we just had this question as we started our meeting that day. If God has led us to start a new campus in this growing area to the north, what is keeping us from doing it, right? So let's identify the biggest hurdles so we know specifically how to pray and how to communicate what the hurdles are ahead of us. And so as we worked through that day, Here are the three hurdles that we identified as being the largest. One, we needed a facility in a specific area with specific needs. Two, we needed the money. We didn't have it, and it's expensive to, you know, launch this endeavor and then to continue to fund the endeavor. And then the volunteers, frankly, it takes a whole army to to minister here, and it would take another army to be able to minister there. And so what we did was we identified those hurdles, we prayed together, and you may remember last October is also when we begin to invite you to pray with us. And we started having these gatherings we just called Gather. And we would just get together and we would pray about the future of our church. And we began to do those, many of you joined us in that. Well, after that staff meeting last October, the next morning, I was doing my quiet time and honestly, um, it was one of those moments where you're kind of frustrated. And if you're really honest, if I'm really honest, I was frustrated with God. And he knows it, so it's not like I got to whisper. He already knows, like he's quite aware of that. And and I was frustrated with God, and so I was kind of praying this prayer. I I was kind of like saying, God, you've given us a clear direction, but you're not opening the doors. So what do I do now? You ever felt that way? Where you feel like, God, I think this is what you want, but I don't know how to get there because from where I am, it doesn't make any sense. I can't get from here to there. So God, you either got to give me a new direction or you got to, you know, make the way. But I'm confused. Like I'm trying to, I'm kind of at a crossroads. And that morning, as I was opening my Bible, I read the story of a leader named Moses, who was also given a clear call to go and lead the children of Israel out of of, uh, Egypt. 
And he obeyed God. And if you remember the story, after he obeyed God, everything got worse for him and the people he was leading. Like life just got worse. And so he prayed a prayer, which is very similar to the one that I had just prayed. That's why this resonated so much. Here's kind of a synopsis of what Moses prayed. Look what he prayed. He prayed, God, what are you doing? You ever prayed that prayer? What are you doing, God? It's not so much that you question his wisdom, but it doesn't make sense with what you know, right? You know that there's a disconnect. And then he said, I obeyed you and our, as a nation, the people you've called me to lead. Lives have gotten worse. It's not the way you expect it to go. You ever obeyed God and life got worse? Moses, you can relate to him. And he says, I don't know what else you want me to do. And I'll be honest, when I read that prayer, you know what I thought? Go get him, Moses. You tell God, right? Like that felt like that's what I was feeling. And then I turned the page in my Bible in the very next verse, Exodus chapter 6, verse 1, God responded to Moses. And I want you to see what God said. And this, something shifted in my heart when I read this. God responded and he said, Moses, you've done well. Now you will see what I will do. And I'm telling you, I read that and I didn't know what to think except I knew that I was needing to depend on someone who knew more than I did, who had more power than I had, and could clear hurdles that I can't clear. He said, now you will see what I will do to your hurdle. His was Pharaoh. He goes, because of not your mighty hand, Moses, but because of my mighty hand, Pharaoh, your hurdle, it'll be cleared. Because of my mighty hand, the other hurdle trying to get out of this nation, it'll be cleared. I will take care of it. Moses, you've been obedient. You've done what you can do. Now trust me to do what only I can do. And I'm telling you, my God confidence began to grow again. And I wrote that, those words down. Now you will see what I will do in my journal. And I plugged them into the notes app of my phone. And I just began to say, God, I'm going to try my best to trust you now. And that morning I came into work. And you know what I knew? As much as my God confidence is growing, we still have these hurdles, including hurdle number one. We don't have a facility. And... The staff can attest to this, but that morning I shared this with some of them, like this is just in my quiet time. I said, I don't know, all I know is God needed to encourage me, and he did, and I'm grateful for that. And out of nowhere that day, we discovered Rock Hill High School as being recently made available. It fits our needs, and it's in the exact area, region, that we had been looking from day one. And immediately when it became available, I remembered these words, now you will see what I will do. God was beginning to move, and he didn't need me to clear those hurdles. I just needed to get out of the way and watch him clear the hurdles. But the problem was, I thought, way to go, this is so great, but the bigger hurdles are still ahead of us. Because we had hurdle number two, which was our finances, because we knew there was gonna be a big startup cost as well as just the first couple of years to be able to fund a ministry that we didn't have the resources to be able to manage in addition to this campus. One week later, Pastor Dennis, uh, who oversees our operations here, he called me and he said, Mark, today we just received an unexpected donation. It's the single largest donation in the history of the church. It will cover the startup cost and the two-year expenses that we identified. It's the exact amount that we needed. And I immediately remember the words of God when he said, now you will see what I will do. 
And I thought, man, only God could do this. And we all celebrated that together. And then we knew we still had a big hurdle. And this is the one I shared with you in January. We still had the big hurdle of volunteers. It would take a wave of people to pull this off. And so remember, we came to you and we said, man, we've got set up teardown team. We've got greeters. We've got worship and tech. We've got student ministry. We've got children's ministry. We've got all these volunteer needs. And the truth is, we're, on the low end, we need at least 100 volunteers. On the high end, we need 150 volunteers. And we're just asking you, would you pray about what it would look like for you to step up and for you to be part of that? And I am so happy to give you the report on what has happened over the last few months as we began that journey. LifePoint, you have stepped up. We now have, as of today, 131 volunteers trained and ready to go for Rock Hill campus alone. That brings our total, both Plano campus and the Rock Hill campus, to somewhere between 250 and 300 people volunteering to serve the ministry because of what you are doing together. Yeah, amen. I have never been part of a church with a higher percentage of people serving. We're not a large church, but to have that many people say, hey, put me in, coach, right? Let's go, let's do this. I just want you to know, as a staff, we feel so much gratitude to be in this together, in this with you, to serve our community. And I remember the words from God again, now you will see what I will do. By the way, I just got to say this. We still need a couple more kids, volunteers for Rock Hill High School. It's not too late. If you want to serve up there, just let us know. Vanessa would be really happy if you would do that. Either way, we are ready to go. We can pull it off. It's actually going to happen. Now, if you're like me, sometimes I hear something like that, and there's just a little, I don't know, maybe check, you know, where I say, you know, I want to believe in a miracle, but at the same time, how often do you see a miracle that you feel like you have confidence to say that's the hand of God? And so there is a tendency, if you're like me, to say, well, maybe it's a coincidence that God had you back in October read that conversation, the ancient conversation between him and Moses. Maybe it's a coincidence that hours later, that first of three hurdles was cleared and we discovered the facility. Maybe it's a coincidence that the facility happened to meet our needs exactly and be in the exact location that we've been searching for the last couple of years. Maybe it's a coincidence that the largest donation in the history of our church came in that was the exact amount that was needed in order to make this happen. Maybe it was a coincidence that a large number of attenders here at our church stepped up to serve in record high numbers. But I'm just here to tell you, this is what I firmly believe. It is not a coincidence. I believe we are seeing the mighty hand of God do what only God can do as he is beginning to say, now watch me work through you when you come together for his mission. He likes to show up and show off. And I think he's doing that through you. We are seeing his hand. So can we just stop before we move forward next week and before we are excited about what else he's going to do and praise him for what he has done to get us to this place. Can we just praise him together? Amen. So... Last Sunday, it was exciting. You may remember, if you were here, we kind of abbreviated the service, and we did an impromptu field trip, right? And we went up to Rock Hill campus, and we just invited everybody to tour it and just to kind of pray over the space. And as we did that, I don't know, two or 300 of us went up there last Sunday for that open house. And, and, and we were just kind of watching 
um, you know, looking around the facility, and, and, uh, and the idea was just to tour it, but also to pray over the space. Well, a lot of us did that, and then we just kind of came into the auditorium, and we didn't really have a plan on what was next. And so we said, Ryan, lead us in some worship. And so without any plan, he got up there and led us in. We just had an impromptu moment of worship together as a church. And it was such a special moment. And we got to pray and dedicate the space. Pastor George uh, led us in a prayer. And it was, uh, frankly, it was a special moment together. And what happened, the only reason we could do that is because there was a group of volunteers up there that were setting up early, and they're up there right now setting up early again for our 1030 service that's going to happen here in about an hour. And so I just want to say again how much gratitude we feel as a staff toward all of you who are serving to make this happen. And next Sunday, when we combine both campuses for one service at one, at one service at 1030, at our Rock Hill campus. We just want you to invite people and let them know all the hard work you've put into this to make it happen. We're now going to begin to see what God ultimately has in mind with changed lives. And so next Sunday, we're going to gather together and as people walk out of Easter service, we're gonna give everybody one of these uh, printouts that lets everybody know we have two campuses at two different times so there are more opportunities for people to be able to worship with us at LifePoint. Now, having said all that, over the next couple of weeks, one of the things we're gonna do here at Plano to make this more compelling and more inviting for you and your guests is we're gonna reshape the auditorium a little bit so that we can gather with a more intimate gathering, but also to make it a more compelling place for you and your guests. So that's, we've got a couple of weeks now, window, we'll come back here on April the 16th together. And uh, I am excited just to continue to worship with you and to serve our community here and to reach people for Jesus right here in Plano. Why are we doing all this? What is the point? Why work so hard for this other campus? Why work so hard to continue the ministry here? And that is the heartbeat of CAST. Because Jesus had a command to say, as followers, if you follow Jesus, you fish. And that's our memory verse. You remember when Jesus said, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people, Mark 1.17. Would you say that out loud with me? Say it with me. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people, Mark 1.17. Now here's what we're going to do. This is the last part of this series, so I've got to give a quick pop quiz right? So we're going to have this one go away, and then you're going to get to say it from memory because you got it. Try it. Ready? Say it with me. Come follow, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people, Mark 1, 17. You got it. Give yourselves a hand. You got another verse down. You're ready to go, and I'm grateful for that. Well, let me give you a quick recap. CAST we looked at, it was simply an acronym, C-A-S-T, each week, each letter, the first letter was come and see, meaning we don't want to be silent, but we also don't want to be selling the name of Jesus. We just want to offer a simple invitation as Jesus did by saying come and see. Second week is to ask boldly. When you're thinking of your neighbor or coworker, you don't want to pray the 21st century prayer, God, would you send someone to share Jesus with them? But instead to pray like the first century uh, Christians did, God, Send me to share Jesus with them. 
And then week three, last week, we looked at a shared partnership, the idea that as an individual, you partner with your ecclesia, your local church, to show others the body of Christ. And then today, week four, the T, is thankful responsibility. And so I want to ask you this question, because as we wrap up the series, here's the question that's got to keep coming back into our minds. We've got to know the answer to this question. Why should I be concerned with what other people believe? Why does that matter to me? As long as I believe, and as long as I'm thankful, and as long as I'm following Jesus, why should I be concerned with what other people believe? After all, you don't want to be one of those fanatical people who are hounding others in the name of Jesus, right? None of us want to be that person. In fact, it's this video on TikTok, if you've seen it, that continually reveals how none of us want to be seen. Watch this. Excuse me, sir. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Hey, don't run from the Lord. Where are you going? Right, none of us want to be that. That video so resonates, the script does, that we keep seeing it on so, diff so many different uh, other videos, uh, including this one with a pig. Check this one out. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Do you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Hey, don't run from the Lord. Where are you going? I, I don't know about you. I don't want to be the one chasing the pig, and I don't want to be the pig, Right. I don't want to be on either end of that. So when you say, why should I be concerned about what other people believe? I'm like, because I don't want to be that guy, right? I don't want to be associated with that. And so many people are worried they're going to come across as that. And then Jesus says, well, you don't want to be selling, but we don't want to be silent. So why should I be so concerned? Because the tendency is, because I don't want to be associated with that fanatical kind of approach, our tendency, and I think it's the most dangerous tendency among those of us who follow Jesus, is that we will soak up the benefits of a relationship with Jesus and the good news, but we will forget to share the good news with others. And Jesus said right out of the gate, as soon as you begin to follow, you begin to fish for others. And I go, I'm all in on the following. It's the fishing for others that feels a little tough, right? And our tendency will be to double down on the follow and to forget about the fishing. That's the tendency. So how do we come across a way that's better? And I just want to show you a short little story in the Old Testament. It's an obscure story you may have never noticed. And it's really going to teach us our tendency when it comes to following Jesus. And so with that said, if you've got your Bibles, would you look with me at 2 Kings chapter 7. If you're looking at a Bible there in the seat, it's page 296. 2 Kings chapter, it's a short little story of these four unlikely men who are lepers. Remember lepers, what we call Hansen's disease today, are actually outcasts from the city. No one wanted to be near them. And these four lepers are about to starve. They're outside of the city. And so they become desperate and they begin to take chances and their chances that they take is where we pick the story up today. 2 Kings chapter 7, let's look at the short story. Verse 3, let's start there. It says, now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate, and they said to each other, well, if we stay here until we die, because they won't let us in, and besides, they're actually having a famine right now anyway, if we stay here until we die, why would we do that? If we say, 
Well, we'll go into the city. Well, number one, they won't let us, but also the famine is there and we will die. You see a theme here? They're beginning to be pretty desperate. So now they begin to think, I'm going to take our chances. They say, if we, um, and so let's go over to the camp of the Arameans, which would be enemy people, lots of people that would be very dangerous. And let's just surrender and take our chances because if they spare us, we live. It's the only chance we have at life. And of course, if they kill us, then we die, right? So there's always that. So they're really desperate and they recognize whatever we do, we just can't sit here because we're sure to die. They're desperate and they decide to take a risk. But here's what they expected to happen. We're about to read it, but here's what they expected to happen. They expected to go to the enemy gate of the neighboring area and they would be thousands of people there who would see that they're lepers from, uh, from Jerusalem and they would surrender and they would likely be killed. But there was the sliver of hope that they wouldn't kill them and they could live. So they took their chances and watch what happened. Completely unexpected, verse five, it says, at dusk they got up, so see, they had a nine o'clock a.m. service too, right? They had to get up early, yeah? And they went to the camp of the Arameans and when they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. Now, why would there not be anyone there? It makes no sense whatsoever. This is one of those moments where God is revealing his hand, and it's now you will see what I will do kind of a moment. Because watch why they, they aren't there. Look at the reason. Because the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, the Arameans, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and they fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was and they ran for their lives. Now, I don't know if they actually heard something, if they thought they heard something. Either way, they were convinced that they were about to be attacked and they were going to save their lives by fleeing. And so these four lepers walk up to the gate thinking they're going to die and no one's there. It's quiet. It's empty. The city has been abandoned. Now, I want to make a connection between this story and what Jesus keeps telling us to fish for people. And we're going to make that connection in a second, but what you got to know right out of the gate, here's a clue. Who is it that you think represents us in this story? It's the lepers. The lepers represent us in this story, meaning we're broken and we come to God because we're desperate so many times. And we say, God, there's no other way. You are the only way. So many times in humility, people come to Christ in desperation. And then, just like the lepers found access to the city, they didn't earn it. God cleared the way. We have access to our Father and we didn't earn it. God made a way through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And I just want to say, if you're new, if you're new to be exposed to Christianity, and if another Christian has ever made you feel less than, if another church has ever made you feel less than, it's because we've simply forgotten that we didn't earn what we're enjoying, that God is the one who made a way. Now we will see what he will do, and anything we enjoy in a relationship with God didn't come from our doing it came from his and he invites you just like he invited us to have access 
to him. Now, having said that, look at the beginning of verse 8, because now we're going to see what the lepers found when they showed up at this vacated city. It says, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and they entered one of the tents and ate and drank, which is ultimately what they were after, right? They were starving. But then they also took silver, gold, and clothes. They actually found more than they were looking for when they entered that tent. You know what I am convinced of? There is no doubt that these four men were grateful. Because think about it, they had been desperate, they took a risk, God cleared away, and then they found more than they were even searching for. There's no reason to think they weren't full of gratitude. Unfortunately, their immediate tendency after they received more than they ever hoped they would receive was to enjoy the benefit Soak it all up, but then not tell anyone else about it. Look at the rest of verse 8. They took the silver, gold, and clothes, and watch this, and they went off and hid them. And then they returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. And all of a sudden, they're enjoying a new discovery, and they're not sharing it with anyone. They're simply hiding it to keep anyone else from ever discovering this. And at some point along the way, and here comes the connection, at some point along the way, they realize this has gone too far. And look at verse 9, the beginning of verse 9. They said to each other, would you read this next part, read this next part with me? They said to each other, say it with me, what we're doing is not right. They looked at each other and they said, what we're doing is not right. Hiding the treasure is wrong. So watch what they decide to do. Verse 9 says, they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. This is the day of, say these next two words with me, good news. This is a day of good news. We thought we were going to starve and we're going to live. We're not only going to live, we're going to be able to eat and we're going to be able to also be fairly wealthy. This is a day of good news. And he goes on to say, and we, why would we be keeping this to ourselves? If we wait until daylight punishment will overtake us, so instead let us go at once. We don't want to wait around. We don't want to take any chances because what we're doing is not right. Instead, let's report this to their own royal palace so that the rest of the kingdom can benefit from what they now know. And here's what, here's what they teach us, that keeping the good news to ourselves is not right. Keeping the good news to ourselves is not right. That phrase, good news, you may know, is also a phrase that Jesus used in the New Testament to talk about salvation. 
That means the good news because we receive forgiveness, we receive grace, we receive a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. We receive a future, we receive hope, we receive an eternity with Him. There's nothing better. It's what the human soul was made to experience. That's why even though Jesus died on a cross, it's called good news because redemption came for everyone. It's good news. It's the salvation and it's the same phrase that these lepers are saying, we have good news and it's not right for us to keep it to ourselves. And see, just like the lepers felt gratitude, I think most of us feel gratitude for our salvation. I think we genuinely feel grateful for the gift that God has given us in salvation. The question is, is feeling grateful enough? Because if it is enough, then we'll come back to our opening question. Well, then why should I be concerned with what other people believe? The lepers could have said, well, why should we be concerned if they like silver and gold or if they like to eat or if they like to drink? And we would all go, well, they do like to eat and drink. That's what they were, their bodies were made to consume and they're in a famine. So clearly we need to take, we, that's what, and we would say, God would say, in the same way people are spiritually hungry and thirsty, and he is the manna from heaven, it is the good news that we bring to others as a gift. We don't sell it, but we do keep saying, come and see, just come and see. We are beggars telling other beggars where the food is. Now, it's not right to keep it to ourselves, so here's what I believe the four lepers teach us that with great blessing comes great responsibility. Keeping the good news to ourself is just not right. So look at verse 10 as they make the courageous decision. So they went, they left, and they called out to the city gatekeepers, because remember, they're not welcome even in their own city, and they told them. They told them about the good news. And in the end, in the end, not only did the, did the lepers benefit, but the kingdom benefited from the good news. In the end, the lepers and the kingdom survived because they shared the good news with everyone. And here's what the lepers remind us. The lepers remind us that our tendency is to soak up the benefits of the good news while forgetting to share the good news, just like they did for a little bit, and then they said, wait a minute, this isn't right. We can't keep this to ourselves. And I think it's a great reminder that we can't keep the gospel to ourselves. What a tragedy it would be if we who follow Jesus spend our life paying bills, shooting for retirement, shooting for the next generation, cheering them on, and then we die. And we get to heaven and say, I followed you. I just forgot to fish for you. This is what we have been created and called to do. And this is such a special week because today begins Holy Week. This is Palm Sunday today, that special historic day 2,000 years ago when Jesus re-entered the city of Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And people gathered there and in adoration, acts of adoration, they laid palm branches as he re-entered the city. Within days, many of these people would go from laying palm branches in praise Hosanna to shouting 
crucify him, crucify him. Jesus was always headed for the cross. Jesus was always headed to the cross of Calvary because he was committed to pay for the sins of mankind, for my sins and yours. And let me just say, this is the good news because we didn't do anything to earn this right relationship with God. His unending love was revealed, demonstrated, Romans 5, 8 says, there on the cross of Calvary. And so here we sit as recipients of the greatest display of love in history with an opportunity to share it with other people. And guess what? 2,000 years later, it is still the greatest news our hearts have been created to receive is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it is not an accident that people are more receptive to the gospel or they are more receptive to the good news this week than any other week because we replay the greatest story ever told and there's something in the human heart that gravitates toward what God has done for us, what our creator is offering to us. And so, well, Mark, why share this story? this Old Testament story when it relates to Palm Sunday and to the series cast. And I think it's because the reason I wanted to talk about it because I believe it so parallels our own wrestling, our own struggle with sharing the good news, with fishing for people. The truth is we have a lot to learn from the lepers because we too were starving and without hope apart from what Christ has done for us. And when we receive the good news, our temptation over and over and over again will be to forget about those who don't yet know. The lepers remind us, with great blessing come great responsibility. So here's what I want to ask you today. Number one, are you thankful for the good news? I suspect that you are. I would be confident to say that we all are. But how would you articulate that? Like, how would you answer that question to someone who maybe is searching? What's so good about the good news? What's so good about a relationship with God through Jesus? What is it specifically that you are thankful for? What a great exercise this week of Holy Week to re-remember all that God has done for you and me. And secondly, I would ask you this. Are you sharing the good news with others? The temptation is to simply be thankful. And Jesus says, well, I want you to follow me, but I also want you to fish for others. How are you sharing the good news with others? And finally, knowing that people are more receptive this week Holy Week leading up to Easter, how will you share the good news this week? Knowing that people are more receptive, how will you share the good news this week? And there are a lot of ways, right? You know, whatever makes sense to you. I was really fascinated and and proud of my wife, Ginger. She wanted to give our our little invite cards, you know, that we created for uh, for Easter. She wanted to give it to somebody and, and she she 
she was in the shop with this person that she's kind of done business with a few times, and she came out, and she was like, oh, I'm just nervous. I know I want to go back in there. I want to give it, but, you know, she's like most of us. You know you should, or you know you want to, but to actually go in there, and she's like, is this going to be awkward? What do they, what do they think? I want something from them. I just want to give them an invite, and like she was wrestling. So here's what she decided to do. She likes to make these little Easter baskets. So she went and made a little Easter basket and then she went to the store and she bought a bunch of little eggs and she stuffed the eggs because then she thought, then I am giving them something and then I can feel free to include the card and go, hey, if you want to come, we're, you know, we're kind of doing this thing, right? I, I just love because the truth is, I think we all feel that mm, to cross the line of, I want to share the good news with others, but if you're not in practice of sharing the good news, it's taking the step in a way that makes sense for you and your personality and your relationships, but taking the steps, forcing yourself to a place more than what you've been doing. I just wanna encourage you, as we wrap up the series cast, our job is not to catch. Our job is just to cast. And God does the rest. We do what we can do, and we trust him to do what only he can do. And here's what I wanna to commit to you. If you invite somebody to come next Sunday as we launch this new campus on Easter Sunday, we will do our best to create an environment that's welcoming, but I guarantee you we're gonna do our best to share the gospel as plainly and clearly as we can, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the greatest story ever told, the hope of mankind. We will be sharing him next week. So you can have the confidence as you reach out to somebody, hey, they're gonna hear about Jesus next week. And so we wanna partner with you in that way next Sunday to share Jesus with more people. And so having said that, if th this may be the simplest way I know how to take kind of this final step this week. As people are more receptive, here's what I want to ask you to do. I'd love to just do an all skate. If everybody will participate with this, and that is, would you take your phone out? Go ahead and, and pull your phone out. And if you'll go to your camera app and uh, just pull that out and just point it at this QR code, which is different than the QR code that's on the pew in front of you. This particular QR code will take you to some digital invites that you can then uh, text somebody, a friend of yours, you can email someone, you could share it on your social media, however you wanted to do it. These are just some digital invites and it'll walk you through the instructions of how to kind of download that. You basically put it on your, put it in your photos and then you can kind of manipulate it however you want. But you can personalize it to people that you care about, that you want to reach out to. Why? Because this week people are more receptive and they're more likely to say yes than any other opportunity, any other week of the year. And we want to share Jesus with more people. Now, in a couple of weeks, we're going to begin a new series. We'll leave that QR code up so you guys can get that. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be begin a new series. It's called, uh, it's called IDK or I Don't Know. And what we're really doing is we're going to walk through how to discover God's will. Because the truth is for most of us, for all of us, we are where we are in our life because of our past decisions. And our future will be determined by our present decisions. And sometimes it's just like, where are we going to go out to eat afterwards, right? And that's like the big decision sometimes we as families make. But sometimes it's a little bigger than that. Like, who am I going to marry? Where am I going to go to college? Should I move? Should I take this job? How do we know how to discern what God wants us to do? And we're going to walk through a series after Easter that I hope will be a help, be an encouragement to you. All right, having said all that, I'm just so grateful that you're here today. I'm looking forward to next Sunday as we worship together, put both campuses together, and that I'm looking forward to coming back 
April the 16th to kick off that new series. Thank you for being here today. In a minute, we're going to turn over to Pastor Dennis. He's going to kind of walk us through some announcements. But first, I just want to pray for you. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for the way that you have miraculously led us to this place in LifePoint's history. God, we know that there's no way that we can do anything eternally significant apart from you. And I don't know what people are carrying today. There are many who are here today who may be having uh, just heavy things in their life. And as they walk into a place like this and surrounded with other believers, maybe just lifting their voices in song is an encouragement. God, as we come and open your word, we are reminded that the hurdles that are in front of us, sometimes we just need to come to you and say, God, I've done all I can. And you remind us, when we sit at your feet, we get to witness what you will do. So God, I pray that we would be people who sit at your feet and watch you do what only you can. God, we thank you for the way you've led our church, and we are excited about what you will do in the future. And we go with open hands to the people around us. May we cast for your glory and your fame. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.